Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry scoops. Corey Perry. Well, able to shake away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. Around the front. And here we are. We're live. Three, three wins in a row, man. Three big victories for the Ducks here yeah. tonight, my friend. Yeah, we did it. We did it against the other uh, undefeated team when two and zero. That's actually kind of oh, surprising. Oh boy, isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. You wouldn't you wouldn't think like uh, all the uh, analytics or uh, people in the know. Uh, I mean, if you had said at the start of the season. Well, do you think Detroit playing Nashville on the road, Dallas on the road, would come out 2-0 and play against a Ducks team that played against Arizona and San Jose, and they would also be 2-0? I don't think anyone really saw that one coming. <laughs> no. I don't, yeah. This is, this is odd that the Red Wings were playing so well, really. That's how I felt about it. No? Yeah. I mean, it, it helps that uh, they had Mantha there uh, last night get all four goals to help them win it. Uh I would say that doesn't happen too often, but I think James Neal actually got four goals for Edmonton tonight, too. So <laughs> apparently it's the new norm in October. No, it is. By the way, is anyone else having audio issues? Dave is saying there's audio issues. I don't understand oh. what's going on with him. It's thinking it might just be <laughs> Dave because I have our Twitch stream up right now, and uh, we're good to go, Dave. They don't like technology fool you, friend. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> you should get it off his giant TV or something like that. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us on chat nice and early. It's uh, We like these early games when we're home in time. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that, that was kind of the key today for sure, man. Um, yeah. Apparently, I type loud, so i got to keep my typing down to a minimum here. This mic picks up uh, a lot yeah. of good stuff, apparently. All my secrets <laughs> of, are being decoded. Of... They all know that I'm just typing away all the time. <laughs> a lot of crappy stuff, not a lot of good stuff. Very type, true, type, type. very true. So, this game... I really thought that we were going to see a lot of what we saw from the Sharks game, right? A little bit of downhill. Uh, Ducks never really have a great time at Detroit as long as you and I can probably remember. And uh, it didn't start out the way I thought it was going to for sure. What were your thoughts, your initial thoughts, before we get into some of the pregame notes going into tonight? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I I, I knew Detroit had won, um, and it felt like, you know... you kind of almost think of Detroit no longer as that, that team that was good, you know, a powerhouse for so long. They thought that, you know, it might be a little bit easier because they've been that way for a little bit. But like I said, wins against Nashville on the road, Dallas on the road. And then you kind of like look at some of the players. I mean, Larkin's still there. Mantha had an awesome game the last game. 
Uh, but they still got like Bertuzzi and Howard's playing well. So, you know, the fact that they were two and zero kind of already had me like, all right, well, maybe you don't take that team too lightly, just like everyone would take the Ducks really lightly at starting two and zero. So I still thought we should win that game just because I felt that uh, our talent was already there and our goaltending is much stronger. So I was hopeful, but I uh, wasn't, you know, overly confident that we we're just going to walk through Detroit. Right. And, you know, we came off a really high game last uh, on, on Saturday. I know we were all like, we know, we know, we know it's only it's only been two games. But we had to keep <laughs> saying that to calm ourselves down because we, we trashed the Sharks a bit there at, our, I know, at Honda Center, which was great. But um, some people, I think, on Twitter were talking, oh, we, you know, or even the broadcast said it started 5-1-1 last season. It's like, well, these games have not, have not looked anything like last season at all. Even tonight, you know, take sluggish first period for sure, really slow start. Second period, pretty good, not terrible. And then the third period was outstanding. So the Ducks kind of slowly built up a comeback tonight, um, which is a much stronger showing than what we saw, especially under Randy Carlisle. Yeah, exactly, and that's kind of the big difference between last year and this year was, uh, you know, those those five and one starts we were talking about. Like we're winning, but we damn sure don't look like we should be winning. And uh, although even for I would say probably you know a third to half of this game, we didn't really look like we were in that game for the most part. We did turn it on. We were at least competitive for the other half of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we weren't like that last year. So comparing last year to this year, you're talking completely different things. You're not. It's not apples to apples. Apples and oranges here. So this this team is is better than they were. They look good. They look lethal. And last year it was it was winning one nothing. It was winning you know like barely two to one. But Gibson's in rare form. And we're only three games in. But I mean the Ducks are scoring enough, and Gibby's just. I mean, what can you say? One goal against in every game, and I think the last two preseason games he only gave up one goal in each of those. This dude's just not giving up multiple goals yet. So no, just score two or more. We'll have them. Probably got a chance. <laughs> let's let's we'll have them, but let's let's ride the heat while we can. Let's let's get started to some of the uh, the little bit of you know our our pregame conversation here, so we can get the show on the road. Gibby in the cage tonight. It was also noted today by Eric Stevens that he's most likely going to get the cage again on Thursday against Pittsburgh, which means yeah. most likely Ryan Miller will see Columbus on Friday on the second half of back-to-backs. Why not give Gibby the Pittsburgh start as well? Um, really only one lineup change, and that was Nick Delorier out and Nick Ritchie slotted in tonight. And Max Comtois called up Sam Steele on IR. So everyone was like, oh, why are we putting in Nick Ritchie instead of Max Comtois? I get it, I get it, but Nick Ritchie, I mean, really, we know what we're going to get out of Rick, Nick Ritchie night in, night out, and he's not a terrible player, he's not Nick Delorier, it's not like we, I don't know, I, I think we need to give him a little more credit than some of the people that are saying he's like a bag of pucks, don't you? I mean, were you really all that disappointed that Max is going to be up with the team on the road trip and probably see ice, just not tonight? No, and there's there's a reason for it. It was obviously Sam Steele's going down. If there's another injury, there's a, a good chance uh, Comtois comes in in that instance. But, yeah, you know, putting in Richie uh, between Richie and Delorier, Richie has more skill as long as he's not taking penalties. Um, he's probably the better of the two. Uh, but, I mean, you're going to have back-to-back games coming up, um, and it's hard to, you know, oh, hey, San Diego, can you send this guy all the way to the East Coast real quick on back-to-back short notice? That's not really good to Eakins, or sorry, Aikens doesn't really want to bring up guys from San Diego and then not play them. He even said that. It, it bothers him to do that because he's been an AHL coach, and that's not something he wants to do. But given the fact that they're going to have three games and four nights he's going to be a good option to probably see sometime somewhere in the next two games, I imagine. Uh, but if the Ducks are playing well and they're winning, um, it's hard to kind of throw a new thing in there and see if it you know, might work when things are already working. So he'll probably get a shot in one of these games coming up. There's still three more games in this uh, road trip. So we'll Oh, no, for there. sure. So let's get the first period underway, man. I know that you didn't catch most of the first period, but if you made it in time to see any of the highlights, it was mostly Detroit dominating in the first period, <laughs> it felt like. And it wasn't like this overwhelming domination that you would see from last season where like the Ducks just were completely outclassed. It was more or less like the Ducks. I mean, I, I mean, even it was all over Twitter and the broadcast as well. Say like, 
they don't have any legs. They're just not winning any battles along the wall, losing battles on the half wall. The turnovers in the defensive zone throughout basically the first 25, 30 minutes were just atrocious. Um, if not for John Gibson in the post, I think that we're looking at a different game here tonight uh, if the Ducks you know, didn't come out and respond in the third period. Yeah, I was able to listen to most of it on my drive home. Thank you, California traffic. Um, but, uh, yeah, so so from what that broadcast with Steve Carroll and Dan Wood uh, were saying was, you know, yeah, it wasn't overwhelming. It wasn't, you know, like games in the past. But once again, the one thing that was similar to last year is that Gibson was bailing this team out and making the big stops when he had to. And, you know, that's kind of what we rely on. What I love more about this year than last year is that, there's going to be support behind that. It's not, well, that was just the first period. You just sit back and wait for another two more periods of this and see how bad it gets. Mm -hmm. So it was good that Gibby held the fort. Sometimes the first, you know, road trips a little bit, a little bit off. That was their home opener. That was uh, Detroit's first home game. So they were ready to go and they wanted to, you know, start off good and that'll happen. And, you know, a lot of times early in the season when you have to, go out and that team wants to prove themselves as, hey, we're 2-0-2 and and people can underestimate us. And the execution can be a little bit off. So, uh, you know, eventually as the game kind of wears on, you see they get a little bit better in most, if not all, areas. Yeah, it, it kind of, you know, and also, you know, it was, their, it was their first, you know, home opener. They're going to come out flying, right? And, you know, on the other end for the Ducks, it's like their first road game as a team, as a young team together like this under new management, you're kind of like, okay. You, I mean, I'm sure it's a new experience for these guys all, all going into this. Even though they're professionals, it's the first time as a team going into a game on the road. Uh, first period, not a lot to talk about, man. Um, basically, basically, it was John Gibson making a couple of big <laughs> saves. Um, the Ducks with only two shots in the, like basically 15 minutes of play, and somehow they made the shots look a little better, especially 5-on-5. Mm. Five five. The shots ended up being 5-on-5, 11-7. Five five, Scoring chances, though, 9-4. to four. Uh, in favor of the Red Wings and high danger chances, Ducks with zip on the first period. Those are just from inside the house. We're not going to we don't go analytically deep on this show if anyone's new to listening to us. But we do like to touch <laughs> on that. And Jason is the balancer here, as he's Mister I Test for sure. Mm-hmm. And we'll and we'll say, hey, hey, hey. Even though his stats sucked, ah, remember ah, those good ah. plays he had. He wasn't all bad. He wasn't all bad. <laughs> he might have done a yeah. thousand things right and you know nine hundred things wrong. But still, he had those thousand things he did right today, <laughs> and those were big ones. Those were big ones. But but the, it was uh, kind of similar as to the uh, the Phoenix opening thing, where yeah, I think they were outshot fourteen to six in the first period of the very first game the Ducks played, uh, and this one was kind of similar, if not for quite a few chances right at the end, where I think they they you know uh, peppered the net with a two or three more shots on net, so it wasn't didn't look. Optically, it wasn't as bad because I think the shot total was something like 13 or 12 to 7. So it wasn't as bad as the Arizona game. But the feel or the look of it was probably just as bad, just just off, just not quite there. You know, well, you know, as you see, we get a little bit better. We, we figure it out. So they take that into the first period, 0-0. Pretty much lucky to get out of the first period, 0-0. Um, but in the second period, man, they, they actually got their legs under them a bit. And got moving. I mean, Jones and Terry up the ice. Terry with a nice move ends up drawing a call on the wings. So the you know the Ducks end up going to the power play, and that's something I wanted to ask you about. I know you saw most of the second and then all of the third. You saw plenty of power play time here from the Ducks. Um, I know we're talking about the wings, but hey, they were undefeated going into tonight. Yeah. So how did you feel about the power play? We've seen it kind of progress over the first three games. I thought a lot better puck movement tonight. Yeah, not only puck movement. Uh, you know, but just just not panicking or not just making immediate decisions. The one thing I did notice is that the wings were were pretty uh, relaxed in how they defended, and so they, there wasn't as much pressure on the players. But it seemed like the Ducks were, you know, they're they're good with pressure now. They're good without pressure. They can seem to kind of move things around. So the look of the power play is definitely a lot better from last year to this year. Um, it, you know, it still wasn't really kind of connecting, wasn't quite going in for the Ducks, but they they didn't look out of place. And it wasn't that old adage from Arizona or last season where they couldn't even get into the zone. And if they did, minimal things would happen, if at all, and it would just be cleared out. 
now they at least look dangerous. And if you look dangerous, eventually things start going right for you. So they're getting those chances. Getting a little bit better. I think that yeah. uh, Hampus getting power play time, I know it's only been three games. It's going to be very interesting to see how that progression happens for him. I mean, he didn't get much, if any, under the old regime in Anaheim. So a little more trust given out to uh, you know to the, to the defensive core, especially by by Dallas Aikens, right? He's been letting the defenseman kind of let loose and run with it. That's been the big change in the system. So we'll see how the more two-way players get more offensive time, how that turns out. But uh, speaking of Lindy, mm-hmm. he did have a cough up earlier in the second period, right to Bertuzzi in his own, own zone, which leads to a chance to Larkin, who rings it off the post. Gibby had to kiss all three posts tonight, I feel like. That's all he Multiple. gave him, sure. But he had to kiss <laughs> at least all three posts at least once tonight, I felt like, tonight. It felt like multiple times. I felt like he, you know, if if not kiss them, you know, buy it roses, give it a nice card, make it feel special because it was really there for him in the clutch. So, I mean, just all over the place, uh, those posts were ringing loud in Gibby's favor. Luckily, too, because some of those would go behind him and, and sit or bounce to get it easily gone the you other the way, one- man. Yeah, I think one hit it and hit him in the back and then was sitting there. He tried to do a spin around, but I think like, uh, uh, whoever the defenseman was just like, <laughs> it was able to clear it out before he did. But, I mean, it was just like, it's like, oh, God, another one. And and <laughs> I don't know if that's really a difference you could say for the Ducks, but last year those all go in. Oh, easily, they hit three, right? They hit three posts and go in somehow. They hit three posts, they bounce out, hit Gibson's hit stick, the, and then it goes back in the net. Yeah. Hits him, yeah. <laughs> and now it hits the post, hits him in the back, sits down, defenseman just clears it all the way down. That Makes it look like, easy. But, What's the difference from last year to this year? The right. goalie gods are shining on Gibby again this year. <laughs> Hopefully it shines through right through all the hearts of all the general managers across the league come Vesna time. Um, They'll take it. So this is the, <laughs> where we started to say earlier, where we started to see a lot more of the Ducks kind of come through here in the second period, start to build up that momentum. And you really saw it in this stage in the middle of the second period where the Ducks dominant down low, good shift going, Kasha going, Getzloff going, um, Hampus decides to pass the puck over to Devin Shore after probably a solid minute in the zone. Shore had already prematurely committed to going to a line change, so up off off the bench comes Richie. Shore plays the puck. Too many men. That was like one of those ones where I was like, ah! Uh, No! I mean, you can't blame Richie on that one. I mean, he's just, he thinks, he's thinking that Shore's coming to the bench, and the the NHL, they gave you that nice little 10-foot leeway where if he enters that area, you can hop off. Just kind of burned the ducks there, but it was that's where I kind of felt like the momentum started to shift for Anaheim in the second period. Yeah, it was that one. It was it sucks that it just killed it kind of, but I mean it was almost the perfect storm. Uh, a defenseman trying to pass it over, and the guy was like, "I'm going for a change." Oh crap! Here comes the pass. I got to stop. And then the guy on the bench read that, "Oh, I got to get off, so I need to jump on." That sort of deal, and you know he wanted to get you know. So it's not really anyone's fault. It's just horrible triangle of immediate decisions yeah it just <laughs> and, uh, happened just happened to it all just happened go wrong. but i mean yeah i mean credit to the ducks for for what they were doing to kind of just you know turn the tide around they didn't they didn't exactly dominate in that period but they showed some life and they were anything that other than what they did in the first period is an improvement so they improved <laughs> it, well it wouldn't be a nick ritchie game if nick ritchie didn't make a miscue uh, or take a penalty, and he did both no. tonight. The penalty, I kind of don't blame him for. It was kind of a, a cheap call. I think Larkin is a small guy and kind of kind of fell, but also Richie's a big boy, maybe muscle a little bit, but it definitely yeah. wasn't a trip. But let's get they, to the miscue first. Yeah. And the miscue is no. way more important because <laughs> Nick Richie goes to the corner and BXs the puck and just like like I mean that was like the slowest pee wee pass I've ever seen in my life from the corner directly to the slot where Gibson has to poke check the puck. It bounces oh into a Detroit Red wow. Wings players, and then all of a sudden they get a wide open chance off of it, and I think it rang off the post. And there you go, the puck goes or it goes off Gibby. I think it goes yeah, out. Yeah, it goes off Gibby. Yeah, Gibby gets it. Gibby and then gets it. And he's, he's one of the off. few times I've seen John Gibson about ready to lose himself on the ice at Nick Ritchie. He like <laughs> you can see it on his face. He just lurks over. He's probably going, "What the f, dude?" I mean, Gibby always calm, but not right there. Yeah, well, I mean, he's got the demeanor and he's got to have it because anytime a goalie shows any sort of uh, emotion, he's uh, he's unhinged. Oh, he's he's in the, you know he's out of his mind and you know he can't concentrate. You know, it's the mental game that really gets goalies. 
Uh, but I mean, goalies want to win too. They, they have to be focused for sure. But I mean, that was a focused play for him. It was a bad play by Richie. He goes into the corner. I saw what he was maybe thinking about doing, which was to throw it to Gooley, who was there. But Gooley was kind of already moving, and it's almost like he he thought about doing it, and then by the time he did it, he looked up and went, "Oh wait, that was probably bad." And it was just that half half ass thing right to the top of that thing, and you know, at least uh, top of the crease, and then. Gibby like has to poke check it out, then has to make a great save, and then yeah, I don't blame him for going like, "What the hell are you doing?" Like, like he looks back and gives the death stare. Not only the death stare, but just like, "What the hell was that?" You got, you can't be doing that right here. There's, there's and, no business uh, in this. <laughs> yeah, so so I I don't mind. Uh, you know, the, I don't think it was you know like everyone's just gonna break down over it or like, oh no, he really hates Richie. It was just like, it was, it was a bad play. It was stupid. I'm sure Richie knows that it wasn't very good. I didn't check uh, but, Duck's Twitter, but I'm sure there was hate everywhere on that play. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. without looking, I'm pretty sure there was a lot of fire for Richie there. Yeah. It, it kind of just started the whole downfall towards the end of the third was, it was, so it was kind of a turning point, but I, once again, you know, anyone that, you know, blames uh, Gibson for, you know, you know, going after Richie, it's like every now and again, you got to talk to somebody go like, hey, don't do that. You know better. Happens. Come on, man. You're yeah. killing me here. <laughs> you know, so uh, you don't know what said, but I'm sure it wasn't like, you know, I hope you're off the team tomorrow or something like that. No, I mean, it, it was, was nothing like, like, like come on, dude, like, you're better than this. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the last unfortunate event was the Ducks. All that momentum collapsed in the last five minutes of the second period. Oh, I don't know man. what was going on. I, I'm pretty sure I tuned out the broadcast because I probably they probably mentioned the words helter skelter uh, many <laughs> times. And that does pierce my ears. Um, but yeah. we didn't hear picked off a pizza. Or give no. him a pizza. We heard nothing of that today. We heard the last two games up, of yeah, pizza. I, I, you know what? what? It's because Richie served up the pizza, and then you know they wouldn't say it to the home <laughs> they team. They could say it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, that was crazy. I was just watching. And once again, like I said, I buy roses, cards, uh, tell it it's pretty. Gibson had to do everything for the post there. Post, it was post, post, post. post. And then, uh, you know, eventually with five seconds left, just a, a ripper. And one time, I mean, they were just penned in for the last, like, 40 seconds of that period, just taking shot after shot. And then eventually just, you know, one's going to get past Gibby. He allows one every for every team. Every team gets one goal by for Gibby. So uh, it's almost his gift to you. And that's yeah. about all you get. Josh but in chat says, uh, no shot. pizza at Little Caesars? Right? <laughs> I know, they right? make a pizza uh, pun. Uh, <laughs> It's like the one place they won't say it. No pun for pizza at Little Caesars Arena. Unbelievable. No, no five dollar hot and ready served up. They didn't have nothing, oh. nothing ready. But uh, nothing they could do there. And am I the only one? Chat. Anyone in chat, please contribute to this. But like every time that I heard Philip Heronic, I, I I thought he keeps saying Ronick. So I'm like Jeremy yes, Ronick. No, it's not too. Jeremy Ronick. Like the first six times he said it, I'm like Philip Heronic. What? So I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I know it's not him, but what is he yeah. saying? Yeah, we even, you even typed the name in our notes, and I'm just like, I don't even know how to pronounce it. I just moved on. But I heard Ronick like nonstop. And I'm like, <laughs> I wonder if it's like his nephew or like something. He's like a defenseman. I, I don't know why, but I, was, I kept hearing it. And I'm like, all right, well, I don't need to pay attention to that name. I just kept <laughs> hearing it, and I didn't really pay attention to who scored the goal because I was doing stuff. But Enix uh, and Denver Duck both chimed in, yes. Yep, 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 every time. <laughs> it's, so, it's so awkward in my head. So... The comeback kids uh, strike back in the third period. They open up the third period flying. Uh, Kasha draws a penalty, ducks to the power play. Another couple golden opportunities in this power play. Jimmy Howard. My God, what Wasn't happened good? to this guy? What? Why is he all of a sudden a decent goaltender? All of a sudden, I mean, he, he had. There was a time where Peter Morazic's taken over the over the crease. Howard's done. No one wants his contract. He's always injured. He's got a groin injury. Yada yada yada. Uh, last season, not so bad, and he's got a strong start. Strong start this season as well. And tonight, I think he, even though they lost, he played pretty lights out. He's pretty good against the Ducks. I mean, you know, say what you want about his overall numbers and other games you see him, but whenever he plays the Ducks, uh, you know, and this this is not looking at stats, but just from memory, he's usually pretty lights out. He's always a difficult beat for us. Um, and he was proving it again. It was it was like in close plays, the, you know, deflected plays, you know, the breakdown plays. He was pretty good with, you know, about the only exception is uh, over, you know, by the time we got to the third period, it was kind of like shots from the points started kind of creating rebounds or trouble for him. Right. Um, you know, but other than that, the, yeah, he played an amazing game because I was kind of going like, oh, man, he's going to steal this one for, for Detroit the way we're kind of coming at him just like. 
I'm sure everyone feels Gibson was doing last year, just stealing games from the Ducks wherever they won. Uh, I just felt bad that Henry couldn't buy a goal on that. I mean, he just that <laughs> swatting, and it just happens to go off the arm, off the head. It's like, uh, just a quarter inch higher, and it goes in over. <laughs> yeah. over oh, yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Oh, that was a damn good save, too. Oh. So the next play, and it's been really nice to see from Ryan Getzloff. He, he's had a strong three games. I feel like he really stood out in the San Jose Sharks game. Again tonight, winning battles. He's making plays. Uh, he did, you know, he's had his miscues, but this whole team's kind of had their own miscues in the defensive zone. But the play he made in the neutral zone to strip uh, Bertuzzi in the, in the neutral zone, throw it up to Sylvie to Hampus, who rips it on net off of Raquel in front, and all of a sudden the Ducks yeah. get a bounce and it's a one-one game. We just praised Howard, but honestly, man, there's nothing he could have done there. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he makes the initial stop on, you know, what's essentially turnover in uh, his defensive zone. So he he does the right thing. He makes the save. And unfortunately, that save bounces right off of Raquel, actually goes past him, hits the post and goes in. Uh, That's, you know, it's a hearten back to this, but that's exactly what would happen to the Ducks last year. You know, you, you play well, play well, and then something like that happens. And then all of a sudden it's just downhill from there. And uh, that was kind of the way. He just did everything right. He made the initial save, which was good. That's all you ask. And it's just unfortunate that, you know, for him, that Raquel was rushing the net, bounces off him just perfectly enough that it just kisses the post and goes in. The post, like Gibby, it did not like Howard. This game. No, not at all. No. Um, <laughs> and this is right where all of that could have easily turned around because mm-hmm. the wings get on the board pretty close after that, or so we thought. Um, blown, kind of a little bit of blown coverage down low. Ducks a little too aggressive in the wing zone. Get caught in the rush, going back the other way. Raquel goes down to block a shot, gets danced around. Puck ends up over off of Dylan Larkin because Larkin shoves off Hampus, and there was some sort of confusion because everyone thought it was a good goal. I mean, I didn't see the offside. I mean, I guess Hayward was kind of like he kind of called it. They said, "Oh, and then the coaching staff called it." Initially, they thought they were trying to think it was like a. An interference on from Larkin to Lindholm. Like, what are you talking about? That's a hockey play. Like, that's what <laughs> yeah. you do in front of the net. I mean, that could have been a penalty, but if it wasn't called, there's no way you can reverse the goal because they didn't call that as a penalty. But even then, it wasn't penalty worthy what Larkin did to push off. I initially saw it. I knew that there was it was basically hit off of a duck's stick uh, instead of a direct path to Monta. And so he became what looked to me to me it all looked like it was close. Like I was like, oh, that looked weird. But then the play can kind of continued and um it was even a weird play where the pass happens, the the shot gets deflected, but then goes back to the original shooter and it weirdly deflects that off sucked. his stick and then goes right to Dylan and Gibby's like from left to right to, to middle to everything, and then Dylan ends up, you know, doing a push, gets the puck and shoots. It was a weird play and a weird goal that would have sucked to give up, but it was kind of like one of the same thing that we just scored, you know, against Howard, where it's just it's weird bounces that ended up going in. There's not much anyone could do about it, but the fact that they challenged it, and that was what that was my first thought was they're going to challenge to see if that was offside because it looked close to me initially, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be that close or even close enough to really overturn. But then they like scan the the uh, camera over to Eakins. He's talking to his, you know, his uh, assistant coach. He goes like, it "Challenge, challenge." And then that's when I knew it was like, "There's nothing in front." It's not like Gibby got hit or couldn't make a save or something. So I knew it had to be uh, offsides. But the new rule now is that if they did that offsides and it didn't work. The Ducks would go shorthanded. So not only did they be down two to one after you know had just tied it up and you know found a chink in the armor. Not only would they be down, then it would have to be killing another penalty. So it was a wasn't that, move, wasn't that, that wasn't was that wrong place cool. last year too, though? No, I'm pretty sure no, if you challenged for, and then you blew the challenge on the offside, you have to take a penalty. No, Someone in uh, chat correct us. Who wins? Yeah, but but the new rule now is that across the board, you can have unlimited challenges. You can challenge as much as you want, but it keeps going up. So if you challenge, whether it's offsides, goalie interference, uh, you can challenge that. But if you're wrong on any of those, it's a minor. Uh, if you do it a second time, it's a double minor. So they're not giving you that mm. little timeout break as, you know, your little, oh, well, I'm going to challenge. Oh, I lost a timeout. Oh, that sucks. I just got four minutes of review for my timeout. Whatever. Jimmy says it was a penalty last year, too. So uh, On offsides, but not on goalie interference. Goalie ah. interference was just would charge you for a timeout. Oh, well, this, there's confusion they, they, like, in chat. Dave says now, you're now right. Like now everyone's <laughs> back and forth. Everyone's chiming in. 
Nah. Okay. Bring up the CDA. Well, you guys figure it out. The initial rule book. <laughs> Jana could argue forever on this, and neither one of us end up being correct, but we would start. Never. Um, let's get on, because God with this, because we have to talk about two goals in 47 seconds here. And the first one is by Richie Boy. Trolling what? the crease. Gooley with the shot from the point, hits a crowd. Apparently that crowd... Um, I think was Derek Grant standing in front. Uh, it bounces off of him as he's collapsing in front of the net. And Richie's just trolling through and bangs home a rebound. Um, textbook play by Nick Richie. That's what he should be doing in front of the net. That's what differenti- differentiates him from guys like Nick Delorier. That's why he's in the lineup. I think the broadcast even mentioned that. But that's what we've always talked about Richie. You have to utilize him to his strengths. Big net front presence guy. He's never going to be the speedy guy that's going to hit hit you on the fly or get hit on the fly and score. These, this is a Nick Ritchie goal. Yeah, and with you know Corey Perry gone, and he was always kind of that pest and that guy who was you know sitting around the front of the net looking for for the garbage goals. Um, you know Nick Ritchie can fill that role. You know to some extent. I mean, obviously Perry at you know in his height was. Uh, definitely more skilled and better hands, but uh, that's kind of what you're going to expect from Nick Ritchie and what you hope he can actually do. Uh, he was able to do it this time, so that was good. Um, and the, obviously, the go-ahead goal and uh, you know talk about turning around from damn we're down to possibly taking a penalty to oh no we're tied oh no now we're winning and now we have way more momentum. And then so the next goal happens 47 seconds later. It's Jacob Silverberg with just a nice half. He has that, that perfect half-slap shot that he loves to do. Raises the stick just barely above the knee. Claps it far side on Jimmy Howard. Not a chance. But this is another play, Jay, where Getzloff is able to strip the puck again in the neutral zone. Feeds the puck up along the wall. It finds Shore. Shore finds Silverberg. And Silverberg rips it home. But, uh, I mean, collectively, that was a great shot. But I, I love how Getzloff's doing this in the neutral zone and breaking up plays and causing the rush of the way. We, we need to see that. Yeah, it's kind of kind of a different thing because like last year it was you know, if he was ever you know he was so needed and relied upon to be the offense or be down low to facilitate the offense. Like last year it was like, hey, get down low, grind it out, make a play happen. Mm-hmm. And it was so many times that he was on the back end trying to catch up to you know whatever play is going back the other way. And now he doesn't necessarily have to do that. He, he can kind of float around a little bit, and he's got great hockey instincts. And those hockey instincts, he can see where passes are going to be or what players are trying to do. And he's still quick enough and smart enough to, to pick those plays off. And uh, he's I think he's been given a lot more of the tools, a lot more rest within games to where he's not asked to do all of the heavy lifting, shift in and shift out. Um that kind of helps him get to these points where he can, you know, you know, pick these plays apart, not be too exhausted, be able to set up other players and, and let it happen. And uh, he looks far more comfortable, far more energized and uh, a lot smarter. And not that he hasn't been smart. It's just, he's never, he's been so heavily drawn upon for offense that he's had to uh, ignore maybe that two-way game that he's still really good at. Yeah, he's just always been overutilized, isn't, you know what I mean? And now he's at that age where Dallas is like, we're going to roll all four lines all night, give everyone Hardcore. as much playing time. <laughs> Michael Dolzato, I think, played 20 minutes, like something ridiculous like that tonight. Um, so a lot, a lot now, of faith in what what's going on uh, from the coaching staff to its players. Real quick, if I had told you prior to the season starting, hey, game three against Detroit, Ducks are up. Uh, Ducks are going to play Delzato twenty plus minutes. How do you think their season? How do you think their season's going? <laughs> what what game are we in? Game three or game twenty three? G- game three. Yeah, exactly. Have we have we, have we traded everybody already? <laughs> yeah, I mean, have we paid for whoever is the game next game three top or prospect? game twenty three? How are we looking at this? I would not have been very happy about that. That yeah. um, and not only was he, I mean, just um, he's less than a minute from the leader in ice with Hampus Lindholm, Cam Fowler, just one second more playing time than Delzato. Uh, those are the three highest, you know, minute forward or minute players, three defensemen, and then followed by Raquel Silverberg, and then Manson and Gooley. But uh, yeah, I would be very puzzled as to why the coaching staff was playing Michael Delzato that amount of minutes. I didn't look at his deployment. I didn't look and see defensive zone starts and, and stuff and all that right now. Just. It just shows you, really, though, that um, he's not making enough mistakes for the coaching staff to be benching his ass and withholding him and, and, and then kind of overplaying the other guys. 
Well, I think it's the it's the whole strategy and the deployment of everybody when you can kind of have you know Del Zotto at one end and Lindholm at another, and they're both playing equal amount of minutes, and no one looks all that out of place. Mm-hmm. That's just a good strategy or a good game plan that everyone's able to play and the forwards aren't playing ridiculous minutes where Getzloff's playing 20 plus minutes a game you know he doesn't you know I don't notice him as much out there because he's not there as much but when he's out there he's great and everybody else is great I mean just evening everything out I think does two things that the Ducks wanted to accomplish and that was to be a threat at all times with scoring chances and have that energy second thing is probably to reduce those injuries I mean, you start putting guys out there for 20, 25 minutes, they're, they're going to get exhausted. They're going to get in vulnerable spots and start getting hurt. You start delegating more of those minutes, they get a little bit more rest, a little bit more energy to start mm-hmm. making better decisions. So I think, uh, you know, this strategy that the Ducks have of uh, not only rolling four lines, but all six defensemen is beautiful. It's a goodie. No, it's, it's definitely a different attitude going into the season that's working out so far. That's a, yeah. that's a big key here is that it's definitely working out in the Ducks' favor in the early going, three games in. Um, so the Ducks are able to hold on here. There wasn't a whole lot that happened after that. Gibby may had to make a couple of strong saves down the stretch, but uh, especially against Mantha. Mantha had a couple of good yeah. chances on Gibson. Gibson stood tall. Um, empty netter chances. I mean, the Ducks were just firing the pucks down. They're like, there was no tomorrow trying to hit that empty net, which is a far cry away from what we saw last year with a lot of board hugging and uh, trying to eat the puck. Um, I mean, that's what I felt like the coaching staff was saying last year, just eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it, because they just they didn't want to take the icing calls. And now it seems like today they just didn't care at all if they had an icing call against them. Yeah, we also had a two-goal uh, two lead. So, I mean, you know, it's a, maybe a little bit different approach where they maybe kind of go off the glass and get it back you out. You think Randy would love Raquel taking a shot at, at the empty net from the no, goal line? No, in fact, I even found myself like, <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, oh, well, who cares? Yeah, I mean, we're, really we're all, we, got, we got all the momentum in the world. We got Raquel still out there. We still got uh, Getzloff. It's like we're so trained to think from last year. <laughs> yeah, but Raquel's taking a shot. Getzloff's taking a shot. Defenseman's taking a shot. I mean, it's like everyone's just like, yeah. <laughs> why you know it's not worth winning if you can't win big did you notice the, the the line blender that happened tonight the forward lines got mixed up quite a bit Devin Shore played a little bit with Derek Grant a little, more, a little bit with Ryan Getzloff sometimes with Carter Rowney and Kasha sometimes with Terry yeah, he kind of had to shuffle things up to get things going um, so yeah. we, now we know he's not afraid to do that he's not a matchup guy at all as we see with the rolling of lines but um, try to find the boys legs somewhere between the first and third for sure yeah it's uh it's a nice blend between what Carlisle would do, which is uh, over matchup all the time. And what Boudreaux used to do, which was these are my lines and uh, they better, I better start doing something. I, I just, yeah, it felt like, you know, Carlisle was chess match. This line has to go against that line. I don't care how tired they are. They have to match up against her and doesn't necessarily work. And so it's nice. He's able to roll with it. Um, like I said, it's, I've been waiting for the season to start just because I know Akins has just done an amazing job in San Diego and I uh, never got that fair shot in Edmonton. And I think uh, this, this was primed for him to make this move and show that what he can do. And I think he's a, a good coach on a good team and everything's meshing really well right now. All right. So let's get to the post game notes. Ducks wrap up the game three to one, just like they did against the Sharks. So, uh, Three-game win streak, and heading into back-to-backs, we're well, going to see how the competition is in Pittsburgh, and of course also in Columbus. But there's no Bob in Columbus anymore, so maybe uh, well, there's a Corpusalo no in that, or who the hell's in that in Columbus nowadays? Um, is it okay? Oh my god, I guessed yeah. that correct. Ooh, yeah, Rain that still has bit. some memories <laughs> left in it um, after the years of drinking with you. I don't know how I remember uh, anything, but yeah, uh, yeah you and me both for sure. <laughs> So, line blender, we saw that. Plenty of miscues in the defensive zone. The Ducks are able to hold it together. Uh, Gibby with a hell of a game tonight. Who was your standout besides John Gibson? Who were you impressed with and who were you unimpressed with tonight if you had to pick two players? And it could be from either team. Mostly Anaheim, though, because it's a Ducks podcast. Um, Well, yeah, I mean, me. Kasha still seemed good. 
I don't know. For the ducks, it was weird. It was like the tale of two ducks. So it was like, you know, the beginning one really wasn't that impressive. But a lot of guys kind of got a little bit better as they kind of went along. And then the line started kind of clicking. Um, so I couldn't really find an unimpressive person. I was I was impressed by Detroit's top line. If I guess I could just put everything together. Um, that line seemed to really just click and dominate and mm-hmm. if it wasn't for gibson that that line could have had a lot of goals and larkin had one that ended up getting taken back and quite honestly if you're a hockey purist that should just count as a goal because he you know that whole quarter of an inch off sides really shouldn't have mattered all that much but uh i thought that they were i was more impressed with what detroit brought because i kind of knew what the ducks had uh but yeah, that's that's about it. I mean, I guess our defense was a little bit lackluster in some respects, but, I mean, they were good at other times. So I wasn't really disappointed with anybody. Unimpressed with your answers, sir. I expected more Sorry. You. <laughs> I don't know. You answer it. I know you are unimpressed with besides my answers. <laughs> um, I, I was very impressed with the with the Dallas Akins and the coaching staff of catching that offside because I didn't see it. But that's, that's a cheap yeah. answer. So I, I would have to say Brendan Gooley, been very impressive – Every night he's played. Haven't really seen. Well, you were talking specifically about this game. Yeah, and tonight, very good. He had okay. three shots on goal tonight. Uh, I think he had an assist on the night as well. He's played almost twenty minutes again for a young kid. He's holding his own up there with Cam Fowler. Um, very impressed with him tonight as well. I didn't. I, he didn't get beat. He didn't get. You know, he didn't get made to look stupid on a play. Very impressed with his game. Um, unimpressive tonight. For the Ducks, I would probably have to say, where sure, was maybe. Nah? Sure, had a good play to to to, uh, to Jacob Silverberg, and he was able to bury uh, it. Um, no, I mean the the guy that I'm going to have to. Where uh, was Ryan Miller? Ryan yeah, Miller, that why whole isn't time, he I didn't, playing? He wasn't doing anything. He just sitting the whole time. I I, I would have to say I got to go. <laughs> I got to go defensively here, man. I got to go with with Josh Manson. I, I wasn't really yeah. impressed with his game tonight. There were several miscues caused by him early in, in the early going. Credit to the Detroit top line. They're facing you know the lion's share of the big minutes from the big boys in the opposite team, Hampus and Manson. But uh, not real impressed with Manson tonight. Um, he was on the lower end of uh, the analytics. Plus, he also had the visual miscues for me. So, didn't pass the eye test. Didn't pass the nerd test. So he's on the uh, he's on my crap list for the night. Yeah, I guess you know if you're not going to play well at hockey, you better hit somebody. And you better mess make somebody up, up there, somewhere. Man. You better mess somebody up there. You got you got to get in, in the game and hurt someone, right? Right. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, that's that's all we've got from us here. Let's get to the questions. Does anybody in chat want to uh, get some questions here so uh, we can answer them for you? If not, we can go to social media. Wait for chat. I'll bring up the questions we've got on social media here. Yeah. Well, um, so we got uh, Pittsburgh on Thursday and then yep. Columbus on Friday, right? And then I think uh, they get the weekend off and then they get to play against Eastern Conference champions, defending Eastern Conference champion, Boston Bruins. Mm. On Thanksgiving for Canada. It's a 10 a.m. game on Monday. Oh, that's Monday. a it's, Canada it's Canadian Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's, yeah. Remember on we made Monday? Fun of Ed? Yeah, we made fun of Ed about this too last year. Oh, yeah. Didn't he? What was it? I forget. Like, what's their Thanksgiving or why? Because, like, we, we had the Indians and that sort of deal, and that was Thanksgiving. But what was their Thanksgiving for? I forget. I don't remember. Being thankful to the Mounties, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. I wish, I wish Brett was in if chat or Emma's in chat so they could answer this for us. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they told right. us. Uh, shout well, out to Jason Billings who says, the podcast is too early tonight. Can't you wait till 1 a.m. for Eddie? <laughs> is that shade on us or uh, or he just that, really wants to see Ed? I don't know. Uh, yeah. We yeah maybe we suck and he wants, he wants Ed on there. He wants but Ed on really, the show. All, all Ed's going to do is drink water in his dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> just talk about maple syrup and there's only so many do? maple syrup brands you can talk about before you write things to talk about um so josh in chat says richie trade do you still think that's gonna happen i don't think so i don't think he's going anywhere right now i don't uh, he's he made a lot not more high enough to bring in a defenseman that the ducks won yeah i don't it didn't hurt his stock the fact that he scored a goal today um, and then the penalty he did take, I would, I would definitely question, like, you know, like we talked about earlier, 
where it was you know a little bit a little bit of a push, but I mean it wasn't much. And uh, Dylan Larkin, I think, flew halfway across the ice. Um, so no, because your other alternative as far as physicality is going to be Delorier, and that's kind of a, a downgrade. I would think you just kind of keep Richie because he's kind of on a decent enough contract. I mean, if the right offer comes along and, and who you're going to get is going to be kind of important to it, but I don't know. I'm, I'm happy with our defense and the offense is clicking. We're three and zero. You know, I I, I don't really Small see a sample size. It's, it's kind of yeah, early to say trade. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't I don't see a reason to do it now, but it's always a possibility. If you're going to trade him, wait wait till he has like six or seven goals, eight or nine assists in the first twenty games. If he turns that yeah. on, and then someone's like, "Hey, you want to package him for a defenseman?" Then you start talking. But you can't you can't trade him if he has one goal and three assists in thirty games. I mean, what are you going to get for him? It's just not yeah. worth it. And he's got one goal in two games. He's been a healthy scratch in the other one. I mean, that doesn't really you know make teams go like, "Oh yeah, uh, what's that guy you scratched the second game of the season?" Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I really want him. So then they're not they're not really uh, you know uh, throwing a whole bunch at you to, to trade them. So I feel at this point, you know, utilizing the way you need to, and uh, you know, hopefully he provides scoring depth on the bottom six. So Dave chimes in and says, "Do you see Comtois drawing into the lineup before the weekend? If so, who does he replace in the lineup? I think he'd replace Max Jones." Yeah, I'm kind of I'm sad. I'm not disappointed. I'm never disappointed in Max Jones. His game's good. His game's close, and it just feels like it's just always that. Like ah, he's he should be scoring, but they're just not going in. So you just wait. He had to play tonight where break. he had to go off the tip of his stick. Right? He got a nice feed yeah. from Bully, and then he drew yeah. to the center and just lost it on the back end. Yeah, and so, but he creates those chances. But come talk can also create those chances. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would think, uh, yeah, I would say Max Jones would probably be a good. Hey, Max Jones, sit back. See it from up high, watch what everyone's doing, see what's going on, maybe get a different perspective. And sometimes that can kind of kickstart your mind on how you see the game maybe a little bit differently being just a healthy scratch. Um, so I, I'd agree with you. I'd say Max Jones maybe needs just a moment away from watching it differently. And, yes, I'd see him, to answer Dave's question, before the weekend because they have a back-to-back game. So I'm sure it would be nice unless Max Jones all of a sudden just racks up two goals or something like that that maybe he's the one who kind of sits out in place. Because, I mean, those guys were battling for right. that spot. So, Yeah, and, and uh, Apparition in chat says, Jones, feel, it feels like he needs to get one, then they'll just start coming, right? Like, as Timu used to say, the dam's got you know, to catch a bottle, eventually <laughs> bottle. you shake it enough, and the catch is going to come pouring out, right? you get to get, yeah. get the first one. Um, let's get over to Instagram. Daniel Lowry uh writes us he says where does john gibson rank as far as all-time ducks goalies personally i can't place anyone except jiggy ahead of him i'd have to agree with him on that now where this will be in five years we'll see i have him higher than jiggy and i love jiggy i love jiggy uh, Jiggy Mostly because you uh, like Jiggy. Will Smith and you like that song. Right? Yeah, well, I just like saying that over and over again because then I just like get my little Yeah, you used to dance at the arena. As the white people yeah, say. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, 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 when I was playing goalie, uh, I would watch Jaguar play, and I kind of modeled the way that I play uh, after him, which was very blocking style, uh, butterfly to a T, and it was just being square and all that other stuff. And Jaguar did an amazing job and was absolutely flawless in his technique. Uh, but that was three, three, four seasons. I've seen John Gibson in three, four seasons not necessarily do that, but be able to be that elite goalie. And it, I don't think the Ducks. No I cups. Mean, the, when the Ducks, no when the Ducks won, and they and the, when the Ducks won and they got the cup. They had an all-star team, and they had an all-star defense. Gibby has not had that, and he's been all-star caliber. Hall, you know, I'm not going to say Hall of Famer yet. I mean, time Oof, will tell on that. <laughs> I almost did. I almost let it slip. Wow, but I mean, if, if, shade. If this, Dave says Gibby, this, Jiggy was all pads. No, nah, he wasn't all well, he wasn't all pads. Most of his pads were undersized. When they like did the restriction, it was like, oh, it's Gibby. Gibby's going to get it. Oh, he's going to get it. He's going to get it. Oh, he's going to get it. And he's like, no, his pads are actually undersized. 
for, for what the league mandate was. So that wasn't it. It was just a style that made him look that big. That being said, moving on, uh, I think Gibby is just better. He's just an athlete. Like, I watched how Gibby plays, and I don't think I can even emulate it or even try to. He's just – he's good – technically and he's got amazing instincts and what i you know everyone likes to say oh he's really athletic he makes these dramatic athletic saves i hate the word athletic because i think most goalies are really athletic in that they can do amazing things they can stretch really far and they can do and control their body really well mm-hmm. it's just instincts it's like oh i need to go wait that passes over here that sticks coming over here and just for whatever reason that's the thing that stops the puck and it's just the instincts of it and I think uh, it's very rare that top, top goalies have that instinct. I think Carey Price, I think John Gibson have the top two instincts as far as goalies go. And Bob Brabovsky, in my opinion. So I say John Gibson you is, say, is you probably say the best goalie the Ducks have ever had. So, yeah, that also speaks to uh, to Jan Richter from Twitter. It uh, says, how good is Gibby again? What's his secret to rob the to rob the league year after year? And what do you think about the scoring that there is no one who st- who really stands out there. They're scoring as a team. So let's talk about that first three games. We just we just gave all the love to Gibby. But what do you think about the scoring this year? Right? It's it's no one individual. It's more of like a team effort, which is great. That's what happens when you roll four lines and you have a good structure where it's just like. And this this kind of harkens back a little bit to what we've talked about in, in past post games, and it was just. These, you know, we got a structure on defense, and that defense needs to, to work a certain way, and they need to be relentless on that defense. When it comes to offense, here's an idea of what to try. And other than that, be spontaneous, be unpredictable, because unpredictability is what's really hard for goalies to stop. And the more that they can do it, and the Ducks have a lot of really great offensively gifted forwards that are creative, that can make plays happen. They've just always been stifled under a structure that was never allowing them to do that. Now that is the floodgates are open. It's like, hey, here's an idea. You know, Try and go this way so everyone has an idea of what everyone's trying to do. But, hey, if you, you see something happen, you, you make a move, and somebody else, you try and pick up on whatever that other person's doing and feed off each other and see if it works. So uh, I think we have four lines that are capable of being creative. Mm-hmm. And as long as you are given the reins to do that, then all four lines should have the ability to do it. They're yeah. not all just bogged down on you have a role, play that role, that's it. I don't think anybody's going to deny the fact that Randy Carlisle didn't have a, you know, a bone of creativity in his <laughs> entire being. He was just simply, this is what you do, it's a textbook, do it. That's it. Yeah. Don't stray from the path. <laughs> Like uh, you know, he he Old says like hockey. he says like crazy stuff. Like I was listening to Shane O'Brien uh, the other on a, on a podcast with Josh Cooper, and he was talking about Randy Carlisle, and he was like, if I if you messed up and you like try to stood up to him, he'd be like, he'd say something like, "How many Norses do you have there?" Like, wow, as a coach, you're gonna be throwing shade at your own defenseman like that. Like, come on, man. Like, totally different coaching style from uh, from going from RC to uh, to DE, I guess. Right, Dallas Aikens. Um, <laughs> So let's move on over to Facebook. Benjamin Russell says, Ducks are now 3-0. and What do you think our streak will be over the next few games coming up? So let's just take it through to Monday. How do you think this pans out? Do, the Ducks, do we see a 6-0 and Ducks? Or do we see a 5-1-1? Or uh, 5-0-1-1? Or what do we see here? Well, they got Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh, early on in John Gibson's career, was not a very friendly place for him to play in, even though it's his hometown. Uh, this is a different John Gibson. This is a different Ducks team. And this is also a Pittsburgh team that now is going to be, for quite a while, going to be without Malkin and uh, Bukestead, I think. I don't I think, think it's Bukestead. I, th- I don't know. Who Bukestead, yeah. No, it's Bukestead it? and, and uh, um, Malkin are out long term. Um, and I think they even lost tonight. They so, did 4-1 to the Jets, that garbage defense, too. <laughs> yeah. So I can see us, you know, coming in there, just a hot team, a team that we don't normally play against very well, and Gibson doesn't play. But, I mean, Gibson has given up uh, just one goal in uh, the first three games, in each three games. Uh, I think his last two preseason games, he only gave up one goal. I mean, he's he's going. I mean, he doesn't give up multiple goals. So if the Ducks can find some of that offense and kind of, you know, hopefully pick apart against a, a Pittsburgh team that's, trying to figure out why they're not off to a hot start like they should be. Uh, I can see an easy, I can see, I won't say easy, but I can see a win in Pittsburgh. 
back-to-backs. We get Ryan Miller in there for the first time against the Columbus team. Uh, Ducks might be tired, but they got Comtois there, who I think probably makes his start there. And if he can get in there, energize it, and the Ducks are kind of ready to go, I can see a win in Columbus, which, once again, I think the Ducks are more talented. The biggest thing is then there's a weekend off, and then we go to Boston, and now it's uh, our fourth game in six nights, or no, seven nights. I'm sorry, fourth game in seven nights, but it's against Boston. And Boston, at this point, I believe, is also undefeated. I think they played a night, but I'm not sure. Uh, They're also undefeated. Yeah, but they're at to my knowledge right now they're undefeated and if they're undefeated up to that point that'd probably be the biggest one so i can see us going five and oh i have a hard time seeing us taking out boston in boston at the end of a road trip uh one that's you know kind of seen the ducks play a lot of games in a short order so i say five and one by the end of this five and one that's a strong one i would say four and two I think they might okay. lose one of these on Where? the back-to-back. Pittsburgh, and then I think they're de- – I hate to say definitely, but I have a really hard time seeing them uh, go to Boston and win in Boston there. I think that Boston's one of the top three, four teams in the league right now. That's that's a tough go. Real, real tough go. That would be the first real big test, I would say, other than possibly Pittsburgh. But that's a, a depleted Pittsburgh team. So it's not quite the same, but even then – Pittsburgh always seems to find other people that just jump in when one of their big guys is out. So who do you think uh, did the Ducks lose to, Pittsburgh or Columbus? I think they lose to Columbus on an off night uh, on the second half of back-to-backs, which is unfortunate for Ryan Miller. And then yeah. uh, I just have a hard time saying, yes, they're going to win it in Boston. I don't think 6-0 is possible right now. Uh, yeah, 6-0 is tough, but I can see 5-0 and and then losing in Boston. I, I think they, they went 5-1-1 are... one one last year through 7, so I, I know, I come know, on, I know. man. <laughs> Anybody who's got Gibby's got a chance. Uh, we got one last question here on Facebook. Yeah. It's from Nick Webb. We already talked about it a tiny bit, but I want your opinion a little a little deeper on my, Michael Delzato. Uh, played over 20 minutes. Could this be a trend moving forward or a one-off? It's kind of a good question because it's – you're going to see times where guys play a little less, a little more, but is, do you think Michael Delzato is going to get the chance to play this, these type of minutes? I mean, there's no injuries in the blue line right now. Um, no, I mean, uh, honestly, you'd have to put him as a third-line defenseman playing 20 minutes, though. Um, yeah, because he doesn't play a lot of play a lot of offense. I don't really see him as like a power play specialist. I don't really see him. I mean, he could probably play a lot of penalty-killing minutes. Uh, but I don't think they care as much on defensive matchups. I think we kind like I say, we kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, I think it's it's a whole thing. It's uh, by committee, so it's it's all four forward lines, it's all three defensive lines, and every now and again that person's gonna match up, be out there maybe a little bit longer. But I don't think he was, uh, you know, out there. But he's playing well, so I mean, who cares if? If he's playing well, then I don't mind him being out there 20 minutes. It's, you know, if, oh, he's given up every other goal, then, you know, that dude needs to be off or, you know, don't utilize him as much or plug somebody up. They're going to give him the but, leash until he makes the mistake, right? It's like a parent. You, you trust your yeah, kids yeah. until they screw up and then you got to reel them in. So we'll see yeah, how much leash Delzato has before he gets reeled in a bit. Yeah, I don't think they're really like just like letting him just go and he's the top defenseman. I just think that's just the way the game ended up playing out. And uh, I don't think it's like they they value him more than anybody else on defense. I think everybody's kind of on the the same plane as far as hey, you're playing time and you know in, in these certain situations we'll we'll probably utilize you guys, but I don't think they want to do what the old style was, which is you, know, you have your top four, you play them ridiculous amounts, and then the bottom two, you play them 10, 15 minutes at most, and then that's about it. You just keep those top four rotating. I think now it's to, once again, I, I think it's probably something to help reduce the injuries that the Ducks seem to get all the time. Uh, that, uh, you know, hey, just start rolling more of those lines, and you don't have to lean so hard and, Everyone gets injured if they're starting to play 25 minutes every so often. Well, and the chat, they're saying, hey, man, MDZ is a Stanley Cup champion. Let him play. He's yeah, got a championship I mean, yeah, pedigree. Yeah. Who, are, who are we to, to, <laughs> to, 
have to tell him what to do. The dude's got more rings than we do. So, All right, man. Well, let's call it a wrap tonight. <laughs> uh, thank you, everybody, for joining in on chat. Shout out to our sponsor, CoolHockey.com, giving away a jersey. Yes. If you're new to the show and you made it all the way through to the end of the show, thank you very much for sticking around. Um, and if you don't know anything about the Forever Mighty three-star leaderboard, we do it every single game, 45 minutes before the show starts. We, we tweet out three questions. Uh, you have to go ahead and select uh, our uh, select us. Re- I think you have to reply with hashtag. I think because I don't post it. Sorry, it is hashtag, Eddie does it. Yeah, hashtag FM three stars. Uh, put your answers down for a chance to win a jersey at the end of every month. Coolhockey.com has amazing jerseys, amazing quality. They will ship anywhere to you. Um, and if you don't want to wait for one, you want to buy one. Use our promo code FM twenty to get twenty percent off your purchase of your jersey through Coolhockey.com. Um, and if you'd like to support us more than you already do by showing up and listening to us, um, you got a little bit of extra cash in your pocket you want to throw our way, we'd be forever grateful to you for that. Um, you can head over to our Patreon and uh, with many tiers there and many prizes to be given away. We just got the go-ahead for real, real. I put the order in today for, yeah. our, for the koozies and lanyards are coming. Stickers are already here. Hats are going to be coming in November like we mentioned last show. Um, Puck bottle openers. Not 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 this year. Not puck bottle up this year. The, the hats are the, are the giveaway now. Hats are the giveaway now. <laughs> people in chat asked about t-shirts. If we get enough people who want t-shirts, oh. we could look at that towards the end of the season, more than likely. Um, but yes, that's where all the money goes is for every uh, for everyone to get stuff back uh, to those who contribute to the Patreon. We love doing that. Plus, you get bonus shows, a rant show uh, where Jason usually has me ranting on plenty of things, and uh, or Ed, <laughs> you Ed and likes Eddie. to get me ranting too, or Ed ranting. Jason likes to get under his skin a bit because it's fun to do that to Ed. <laughs> Um, and then Pucks and Brews where we drink, um, get a little toasty and talk about anything and everything, um, which is great. Mostly hockey, but sometimes, you know, we get asked weird questions about food. I think we talked about movies on our last one, too, actors. <laughs> Disney movies, Disney movies. favorite actors. Yeah. yeah. So good times to be had on the Pucks and Brews shows. But, uh, yes, thank you guys so much for all the support. Find us on our website, forevermighty.com, on our uh, Twitter at forevermighty. And I can name all the places we're at, but I don't remember all of them. It's too much for my brain. I'm out. Just, just type in Forever Mighty wherever you're at, and then and then you'll, you'll find, find us. Yeah. <laughs> and then clearly, post game shows are here. Jason, I'll be back on Thursday night and on Friday night because Ed doesn't like to work um, and put in the work in the lazy? show anymore. He's he takes yeah. two weeks off at a time. It's kind of ridiculous. He's a lazy Canadian. I think that's a saying. So Whew, that's tough. That's real tough. Uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, Brett is listening to this and, and <laughs> out. That'd be great. But thanks everybody. Have a great night, and we'll be talking to you guys soon.